This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, February 26, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando, where it's 81 degrees. I am your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, and not from Austin, Texas this week, actually from Colorado Springs, author, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey guys, where it's currently 32 degrees. 32 degrees. Thank you. We should give weather updates since we're canvassing <laughs> the country. And uh, and yeah. other news uh, not sitting in today. We, we are sans Derek Miner from Nashville, Tennessee, relevant senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. How, how's it in Nashville? You know, it's the, the snow is finally gone. It, we we got a we got a ton of snow over the weekend. We we, we Austin style, and uh, then we got uh, and then now it's gone. It's back. It's a beautiful day here. Well, we don't know what the weather is like where Derek is. He's actually in. Uh, he's not joining us today because he's in Atlanta right now, uh, and he can't record because he's shooting a music video. I don't know if you all saw it. He he dropped a new track last week. He's ramping up to a new album, and I guess he's shooting some music videos in Atlanta today, and it was running long. So, hmm. there you go. That's the coolest reason not to be here, yeah. Well, it's a pandemic travel company. <laughs> hey, listen, I feel like we're we're on, you know, I'm no, I'm no Fauci, but I feel like we're on the downturn. People are figuring out the travel thing. Uh, we're figuring out a lot of things that we're, 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 we're slowly kind of reemerging and doing different things. I stayed at a hotel this weekend locally. I didn't travel, oh. but on, on like a date night because yeah. I found out that all these airline points that aren't being used that, I'm, that I've been accumulating can be used at hotels. And so they're like, hey, why not? And Jamie, are you in Colorado? Are you at a hotel right now? I'm at a really cool hotel, yes. Of okay. course, she's at a cool hotel, Jesse. She yeah. doesn't stay at the Best Western, Jesse. Well, yeah. it's a it's a boutique hotel, which is my favorite. It's called Kinship. Oh. I'll just give them a little plug. It's oh, called what? It? Kinship. I think you're pronouncing it's La Quinta. La Quinta. <laughs> <laughs> they have very cool, very cool carpets. Uh, like twelve dollar uh, continental weird, breakfast for the busy yeah. business traveler. Yeah, yeah. Twelve dollar weird fake cocktails at the you know premix behind the, the welcome desk. Just ask them; they'll figure it out. It's a little airplane bottle situation. Yeah, I uh, know the La Quinta. I know Jamie; they're sweet. Hey, I, no, but so what makes this hotel cool? Real quick, the Kinship. Jamie. Mine. Oh, it's it's boutiques. So there can't be more than like 45 rooms and yeah. the rooms are, it's just, oh my gosh, they got like rolling garage doors in the room. So I could roll up a garage door and see outside. Isn't that cool? You guys. So oh, instead of like, instead of like pulling the, the shades open yeah, in most like hotels, which you can never yeah. quite get them all the way closed because yeah. there's always like just a little sliver of light coming through and in the morning. And there's no keys. <laughs> Everyone has a entry, like you have a number. And so I don't have to check in. I don't have to talk to anybody. I just go to you my get, door, like, put the on number. Your forehead or yeah, your, uh-huh, right, right your hand. Eyeballs. Is it one of those things? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really simple. I like those. See, <laughs> see th- that's the kind of stuff I like in hotels. I, I, the hotel I stayed at, Jamie, had some questions questionable features okay because the, the hotel is is about 100 years old and it's a very well-known building here in virginia beach it's one of the oldest in town and cameron and i actually cameron mm-hmm. cameron visited uh it was about a year and a half or so ago and we, we went there and, and hung out because it's a cool place but it has a very like interesting history so i had a plumber i had a plumbing situation the other day guys aside 
Never try plumbing or electrical stuff yourself, okay? Never. I don't care how much money you will save. <laughs> it is not worth it. Because I had a small drain faucet link, and Dana and I were like, man, we got this. There's no need. Like, we pulled up the YouTube video. We went to the hardware store. It's like, oh, this is going to cost us five bucks. We're not the suckers. We're going to be paying 200 to get a plumber in here. Let me just say, that ended about 10 minutes later of me sprinting down to the street to try to figure out how to turn off the water main oh, no. for the entire <laughs> yeah. house. Anyway, uh, but I was talking to the plumber when he came over. You guys know me. I like chat it up with people. Just kind of <laughs> see what his story was. And I have a picture of, see what of his like, story was. see this guy's on. He's in my house. Okay. He's, he's, I want to know something about he's, him. He's elbow deep in my drain. He, we, we should at least get to know each other a little, you know? Hey, that uh, is way more intimate than I, than I usually think about intimate. plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he knows anything, all your secrets. Yeah. Anything he's extracting from those drains, yeah. I know the origin. I know the origins of. Oh, my gosh. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, so, anyway. Um, <laughs> so we we're sitting there chit chatting and somehow he talks about how he also did work at this big hotel that I had recently, that I recently stayed at the old historic one. He's like, you know, man, they say that place is haunted. And this is where I told Cameron when, when me and him went is like, dude, there's stories of this place haunted. He's like, man, they had me doing some plumbing work during a renovation. I was down in the basement. There was nothing but me and a bunch of old mattresses down there. He goes, and I started hearing stuff. I'm like, no way, dude. <laughs> he, like, rats. he heard rats. He was like, no, he's like he's shuffling around. I've seen yeah, things. He's rats. like, I had to get Vermin. out of there, man. Yeah. He's, I was like, dude, they, but the, I was like, a but plumber the, knows what a rat knows the difference between a rat. So plumbers work with rats like you and I that's work true. with keyboards. That's their, <laughs> that's their stocking that's trade. I was that's like, true. look, man, he know, yeah, if there's anyone that knows the, the difference between a standard yeah. rodent and an old yeah. Ghost from the 1920s. It's a plumber yeah. who regularly works in old buildings like that. So, yeah. but anyway, so I'm up at so I'm at the hotel, and uh, you know, uh, Dana was getting ready. We're, we're going out for a nice dinner, meeting some friends, and uh, uh, they're part of our quarantine, right? They're friends that we see all the time. They live right down the street. Anyway, so um, not that I care. Who cares at this point? Uh, I don't care about people judging my decisions. <laughs> so anyway, I'm like walking around, just kind of scoping out the, the floor of the hotel that we're on. And they have on the wall pictures of famous people who have stayed there over the, the last hundred years. You know, you got Elizabeth Taylor, uh, you know, all the, you know, all these pregnant presidents and dignitaries and things like that, that happen to be passing through. And then I get to one that was, they started to like peppering in some dark stuff, like, because each one had like the person Something notable about that person, and then like an, a funny little anecdote about their trip. So for like Elizabeth Taylor, it was, um, you know, she ordered a bottle of champagne, and the and the and the room guy who brought it to her, so the room service person said he almost fainted because she was the most beautiful person she'd ever seen. Like a real charming little anecdote, and everyone like, oh, when, uh, you know, President Lyndon Johnson came, the helicopter had to, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then they started preparing in some that are pretty dark that didn't help the reputation of the whole haunted thing. They were like, <laughs> you know, the Cavalier proudly opened on Memorial Day weekend, uh, 1929. Unfortunately, that seemed like a cursed date because later that weekend, the stock market crashed. Right. I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> that's not a great... Why would you put that on the wall? Like, that doesn't leave... And then they're like, you know, Adolf Coors, the, the founder of the Coors Brewing... Um, 
Empire died mysteriously here in the 1930s. His death is still unsolved and is a very dark chapter in the American business community. It's like, why is that on the wall? I don't need to know that. That's not enhancing my stay. Like, if you got a creepy old hotel, okay, that you're that you're polishing up and, and you're making boutique, think yeah. about the garage door route. Don't think about, let's go to our most exactly. unsavory history and literally paint it on the walls for the guests to talk about. We already got God knows what going on by those mattresses. They do have I I uh pre-pandemic yeah I was in uh I was up there during your in your current neck of the woods, Jamie. I was in Estes Park, Colorado, and that's where they have the Shining Hotel, the where they filmed it, which is they're very proud of that being the Shining Hotel. Uh and I w- that feels kind of Jesse to your point. Like the one thing everybody knows about that hotel is that it's haunted and you go crazy and you die there. That is like the, if you're the Shining Hotel, that's what you're known for doing. And they and it's still, I think, it's like expensive to stay there. And it's not a boutique hotel like Jamie's. It's just a, it's just a hotel that's in Estes Park, Colorado that is famous for, for, for driving Jack Nicholson insane with anger. And I don't know why that is. I don't, I would not make that my, like my go-to, like you too can stay at the place where a whole family died and you'll see ghosts that will drive you mad with it, with anger. Yeah. It's like the the thing they're most notable for is driving a guest into a homicidal rage. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, you know, what's funny is I stayed at a hotel in Yosemite, um, up in Northern Uh California. Uh, I think it was called the Awani really old hotel but i walked in and immediately went oh my gosh i feel like i'm in the shining and they had there that they had built a hotel based on that hotel so i was staying in a hotel that everywhere i walked around i thought oh my gosh those two little girls are about to come down the elevator and i'm just about to be in with jack nicholson and what's your name and go crazy it's one thing if you have the history behind it but what if you have the only thing you're like we saw we saw a movie about a hotel that is haunted and people died at and we liked it so much that it's our business model now (laughs) that's not a good idea i i see your shining hotel and i raise you i okay y'all have seen the movie hotel rwanda yes Yeah. Horrible story, the horrible genocide and thousands of people hid out in this hotel, uh, uh, you know, for their lives online. It was a horrible situation. It, that was the Hotel Mikolin. It's a real hotel in Kigali, Rwanda. Uh, I was invited on a last minute trip to Rwanda, a humanitarian trip. And with a team of people I didn't know, I was at it a few days before the trip. I jumped on a plane, went to Kigali. Well, they were all staying at the Intercontinental Hotel the nice brand new modern hotel and I don't know any of them. And I'm added last minute. They're out of rooms because there was a big AIDS conference there, African AIDS conference. And it's the only modern hotel in, in Kigali at the time. And so I'm taken brand new, just got to land in Kigali. Don't know anybody and trying to get my bearings. And I'm taken in a cab to go off to my hotel by myself. And we turn the corner and I was staying at the hotel Mikulin, which was mm. the exact untouched from the 90s everything about the hotel was from when it was hotel rwanda i mean like the door hangers the bed spreads laying in bed thinking about what has happened in this room you know what i mean like it was so jarring yeah Yeah. horrible 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 i was there and then and then i didn't know this they only had wi-fi in the lobby so i'm hanging out in the lobby on my laptop trying to whatever and just everybody's so friendly and chit chatty. Like everybody's just talking to to the white guy sitting over there and the whatever. Come to find out later, it is now known in Kigali as the hub of prostitution in Kigali, and all the women who were saying hello to me were oh. uh, 
You know, I didn't know you were there on a humanitarian trip. No, I, okay. Because apparently, apparently, the only reason you go to the Hotel Micheline is for Uh-oh. other things. You, you know, it's and funny. I had a weird, I, I had a weird experience with a stranger at my hotel. I woke up in the middle of the night and found <laughs> someone was staring at me. Sure enough, sitting in the corner was an old guy in 1930s style clothes. I'm pretty sure it was the ghost of Adolf Kors, just kind of just staring at me in my sleep. So it, it, weird stuff happens, guys. You yeah, know, that's what I told him to go back to his mattress room. <laughs> at my SS Park Hotel, I met the two nicest girls, really quiet, identical twins, as a matter of fact. And they really wanted someone to play with them. Yeah, they were, they, they, they were just bored. In, in, fact, in fact, they were weirdly emphatic when they kept saying repeatedly in unison, come play with us. Honestly, <laughs> They've, they've been following me around ever since. I see them Red all the time. Rum. Yeah, they followed me home, which is, uh, yeah, it's pretty terrifying, actually. And I'm <laughs> going to need some help, guys. Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to a hip-hop artist, entrepreneur, activist, Lecrae. Uh, Tyler, you you want to give uh, people a sneak peek of your conversation? Oh, yeah. Them? Well, we, we Lecrae and I talked about a few things. The, the, the impetus for the conversation was, I don't know if you guys saw this, but, but Lecrae got canceled by Charlie Kirk. Uh, Charlie Kirk said you can't invite Lecrae into your churches anymore because Lecrae is, is is not is not good for the young Christian ears. We didn't just talk about that, but that was that was the we also talked about some of the work Lecrae is doing with uh, with homeless with uh, with homeless folks and prison inmates. And also we got it. He's uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but once again Lecrae is up for a couple of Grammys. Got some more of his thoughts about uh, about that go. this year. So that's what Lecrae and I talked about. That's coming up. We also have relevant recommends, and of course, what's Jesse thinking? Stay tuned. Right now, up next, it's relevant news. You're listening to Foster the People. The song is Cadillac. Today's show is brought to you by Upper Room. There's some daily comforts that just make you grateful and feel more grounded in life, like petting a dog, hitting that snooze button, and of course, that first cup of coffee. These are things that you count on every day to help you get where you want to go. Things like the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. Enjoy a free 30-day trial of their email or app service by visiting upperroom.org slash welcome. That's U-P-P-E-R-R-O-O-M dot org slash welcome to get your first 30 days for free. Okay, it's time for... All right, what's going on this week, Tyler? All right, so this week, uh, actually, the news is uh, here out of Nashville, where the Southern Baptist Convention is having their executive committee meeting, and uh, President J.D. Greer, who is now on year three of his presidency of the SBC. Now, these are usually these terms are usually limited to one year, but of course, with COVID and everything, there he has is now it- been. Is that like is that like an FDR thing? He's just like it's going well. I'm going to keep going. I mean, like, well, how- he, it, 
they're, they're, we're getting a little bit out of the news, but there's some <laughs> speculation that he is, and, it, and you can kind of hear it in his voice. He's sick and tired of this job. Like it has been, it has been not a great year to be leading the SBC. Like nobody would want this. This is not a job anybody would want. He's fielded a ton of controversy and criticism as the SBC is fractured over some really important issues. Like these are not small things. These are these are big deal. Uh, talk about critical race theory, obviously about the president. Uh, you have Russell, Dr. Russell Moore, who we had on the show pretty recently, who has taken on a, a ton of heat for his uh, extremely uh, strong stance against the former president, uh, while, of course, most of the SBC was very supportive of Trump. So J.D. Greer has, has been trying to kind of keep all of these plates spinning in the middle of it. And uh, in a in an address that he brought out uh, here in Nashville to everybody, he really uh, kind of drew a line in the sand about what he considers to be the mission of the SBC right now and uh, made it very clear that he does not consider politics to be a huge part of that. And in fact, he says politics has become much too closely t- uh, united with the SBC. Hmm. He said, we are not at our core a political activism group. We love our country, but God has not called us to save America. He's called us to build the church and spread the gospel. Hmm. And that is our primary mission. Uh, and this is from a report in the Washington Post by Bob Sumitra. He said, in recent months, the SBC leaders have been embroiled in a debate over critical race theory, the academic framework that seeks to explain systemic racism. Leaders of the denomination seminaries labeled CRT as incompatible with the SBC statement of faith. That, of course, led to, as we've talked about, several black Southern Baptist pastors and congregations to announce that they were leaving the SBC. Greer called the fellow Baptists to focus on the gospel instead of things that divide them. And he said that the gospel demands diversity. He said, and this is a quote, if we're going to be gospel above all people, it means that we will be a church that engages all the peoples in America, not just one kind. That's hard. Bringing together people of different backgrounds and cultures and ethnicities into the church creates challenges. Anybody that says it's not hasn't actually done it. So this is the, probably the strongest statement we've gotten from J.D. Greer yet at this point. But it also reflects uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, there was a group of over 100 evangelical pastors and leaders, seminary presidents, who released a statement condemning uh, Christian nationalism. And that actually shouldn't be that controversial of a deal, but it has not happened yet. And they noted that they approached several evangelical mm-hmm. leaders who did not want to sign it. But uh, but this was a very strong statement that called for both in words and actions for evangelicals, for white evangelicals in particular, to to take a stand against what they consider to be a growing radicalization of evangelicals towards Christian nationalism. So some some fairly bold moves here from the SBC and from evangelicals in general that we haven't seen over the past four or five years. Wow. I, I always wondered what, you know, it's almost like it felt like just observing from our vantage point that the pendulum swung so far in the last, you know, year especially, but, you know, really decade, you know, where certain church streams aligned with one party or the other so like blinders on you know like i Mm -hmm. wondered if there would be a course correction now that you know kind of the dust is settling from the last election i wondered if if and it's interesting to see that evangelical organizations like the sbc are kind of saying hey listen we got too political we need to course correct here i I, i'm encouraged to hear that yeah jamie i know you're a listener you you listen to up first pretty Mm -hmm. regularly right the npr show Mm -hmm. did did you listen to one over the weekend they did the special on christian nationalism no but i will oh my gosh yeah so npr up first you know is a a new show and they did what i felt like was a fair-minded um 
as fair-minded as you could be about a topic like this, uh, look at the rise of Christian nationalism and sort of what mainstream Christianity's reaction is. And, you know, it is... Christian nationalism is, it, 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 well, as this story seemed to indicate, seems to be splintering off in an even more fringe direction, where there does seem to be course corrections with like SBC, with some major institutions that have recognized that the complete conflation of whether it's partisan ideology or, uh, you know, um, fidelity to government documents like a constitution probably shouldn't be conflated with the gospel and kind of the teachings of Jesus. But there is a fringe that is becoming more and more entrenched in those ideas and those beliefs. Mm, And I do think that is something that whether it's the SB, a large denomination like the SBC, whether it's like journalists and, uh, you know, kind of commentators like us, or it's just kind of the, the average Christian needs to be aware of because it offers a really um, difficult dilemma because, you know, we're called to love people even that, you know, we feel like maybe be misrepresentative of what we feel most passionate about, which is our faith. So if there's going to be a lot of moves like this, I feel like in the next coming years, as like I said, that sort of, I mean, they, they, they interviewed a pastor that, you know, his church called the Patriot church, you know, there's Mm, going to be, there's going to be things that we all have to learn to collectively confront with, a degree of graceful correction as well as admonishment because the ultimate goal isn't to further entrench someone in 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 a belief that is 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 dangerous it is to bring them back into the fold and have them you know realize and correct so it's going to be a big task and that's it's going to be one of the the things that the church capital C is going to be dealing with in in the coming years and I'm encouraged to see Greer taking a, a point on this because I think that one of the many mistakes that have been made in this conversation over the past few years is sort of offloading this job onto people of color, uh, black activists, justice activists to say, why can't they just sit down with some of these neo-Confederates and ha- hash it out together, work out their differences? That'd be nice. But I think there's a lot of reason to suspect that those conversations, uh, A, uh, would not, I think uh, a black person would not necessarily feel very safe with somebody who was at a neo-Confederate mindset. And B, that should be our job. You know, we're, we're the people who are closer to these people in many cases, proximally. We uh, often have relationships. A lot of times these people are our family members, you know, and these are conversations that people like J.D. Greer can really encourage as the leader of the SBC, the largest uh, organization of evangelicals in the United States, to start reaching out to people they know, their friends, their family family members and have these types of conversations. He had this quote that I thought this was quite well put. He said, we should mourn when closet racists and neo-Confederates feel more at home in our churches than do people of color. The reality is that if we in the SBC had shown as much sorrow for the painful legacy that racism and discrimination has left in our country as we have passion to decry critical race theory, we probably wouldn't be in this mess. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He is saying that. Yeah, I I appreciate hearing this from J.D. I like J.D. And so this is feels like, okay. thank you for saying something. I it seems as though for the past, you know, four years uh, no one was saying anything, but people were just, you know, aligning politics with their Christian faith so much that th- this is, they were almost like demanding, this is what it is if you're a Christian. And so mm-hmm. I think that it was, this should have been said a while ago. I mean, obviously sure. I think we can all say that, uh, but also I am really grateful that it was said. And I think a lot of people had to wake up after January 6th and go, okay, so we kind of been not saying anything, but this is the most blatant, obvious thing that could have happened. And 
And then we have people like Dr. Moore, who's like, I've been saying this for four years. You know, this is not something yeah. any new, um, mm-hmm. which is why every year they're like, hey, we should fire Dr. Moore. Um, and <laughs> I'm just I'm such a Dr. Moore fan. He's like, yeah. I'm I'm his I'm fan club leader of Dr. Moore over here. The SBC is obviously still very much at a crossroads. You know, the, it's a this is a very fractured denomination. And whoever is president after J.D., steps down is going to be that's going to say a lot about what direction this group of churches i know they don't like me calling a denomination so we'll call them a, a community or a collective or whatever uh what direction they want to go and are they going to follow jd's lead here are they going to continue the path that he's been trying to set them on over the last five years or sorry three years or uh, or are they going because there are some people who are kind of vying kind of jockeying for power and leadership who would definitely like to make a, a u-turn at this point and uh, it'll be interesting to watch but we're seeing this parallel in the in in the conservative party as well where mm-hmm. there's this move toward moderate you know bridge building conservatism and then the no we need to go further to the to the side conservatism and then it sounds like the SBC is wrestling with that too and there's going to i mean there's very likely i mean i don't know the SBC at all Jamie's our our representative of that He's world, but 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 like correspondent, <laughs> the call is coming from within the house with Jamie on this podcast. But like the, I, you could observe it and go, it's inevitable or it seems likely that the old school, good old boy party who doesn't like this wishy washy leadership that they're talking about, you know, will will push either push JD out or they'll break out and go. We're going to have a more extreme conservative denomination and a more liberal, moderate denomination. You know what I mean? It seems like there's a faction happening Mm -hmm. uh, in the SBC. Interesting. All right. Well, there's a lot more that we cover every day at RelevantMagazine.com, covering the intersection of faith, culture, life, and justice. Go check it out. Follow us on all the socials. Stay tuned. Up next, Lecrae joins us. You're listening to Hannah Jadagu. The song is Think Too Much. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, you definitely know our next guest. Uh, He's no stranger to the podcast or magazine. Been friends for years. Uh, Lecrae is a hip hop artist, entrepreneur, producer, and a lot more. Uh, over the last few years, especially, he's been increasingly involved in activism, uh, developing young artists, and a lot more. Um, we sat down with him to talk about the things Tyler mentioned at the beginning of the show. He's been criticized in certain parts of the church for how he has spoken out lately. So we wanted to talk to him about that and a lot more. Here's part of our conversation with the Frank. 
Time ago to let the drama go and go and find a goal. Run for the edge like Geronimo. Sky high, I fly, I'm Vaminos. All that was a lifetime ago. Nowadays, I just gotta make time to go. Take my G's to Belize. Now we all overseas, man. Look at what God be on. Lord, guide me on, guide me home. When I die, I reside where I belong. When I fly, I delight the flight is long. Okay, so first of all, I saw some of the news about uh, about Charlie Kirk's appearance at a church a couple of weeks back. Uh, and that was very strange to us. I'm sure it was strange to you too. Oh, uh, when Charlie suggested that churches shouldn't invite you to speak anymore. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what happened from your side of things? Yeah, I mean, you know, the what I heard is that I shouldn't be allowed to be in any church. Um, and I'm assuming that was uh, because he felt like I was a proponent of abortion, um, which I'm not. Uh, I'm not a, uh, you know, sitting here advocating for abortion in any shape, form or fashion. Um, I think a lot of it stems from uh, me performing at a vote early rally, uh, which, you know, in all honesty, I thought it was bipartisan. So I didn't I didn't have any idea that it was, you know, uh, for uh, one particular group of candidates. Um, and I just got up there and said, hey, y'all, voting is important. Did a song and left. And then that turned into a whole big debacle about uh where my support lies and who i'm endorsing and uh and it just you know got way out of hand to where people uh, but i think it's a sensitive time where people are very you know uh evangelicals are concerned with losing power and losing um you know and they and they need to uh they, they feel this urgency of um kind of throwing people under the bus in order to to, to hold their ground and and, con- and conserve what they need to conserve now, it seems like this happens a lot, um, especially for someone like you, who is a, who's a very public person, you're very visible. Anytime you make a public appearance, there's the potential for it to become very controversial, right? And and it seems like you sort of get uh, drafted into these culture wars that you probably don't intend to be a part of all the time. How do you deal with that? And are there some lessons that we can learn from you uh, on a smaller scale for that in our own lives? Yeah, I think, you know, part of it is for me is is you have to continue to, you know, integrity is not about how other people perceive you. Integrity is about the consistency of your character and what you're doing when no one's paying attention and when there's no lights and camera and action around you. And so for me, it's just moving with integrity, continue to do the things that I know are important, continue to rebuild my community, continue to be faithful with the truth that I uh, believe in and um, and knowing that you know, I'll be misunderstood and knowing that I'll be misrepresented. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, I have to go to sleep at night knowing that uh, what what I truly believe in and what I truly stand for. Even in the darkest times, you kept your light on me. Yeah. Got the memo, read the message, found my purpose, found my method. Only all I took was lessons. Tell them you can pick a side if you want to. Okay, so I know that you do a lot of work with uh, with inmates and uh, with the homeless there in Atlanta in particular. As you've gotten involved in that side of justice work, what are some of the misconceptions you've seen or or maybe that we, the rest of us who aren't as close to that line of work, need to be corrected on? Yeah, I mean, one, I just think we have to be constant learners. Uh, you, you, there, There's a lot we can always learn and uh, you're never going to know it all. Um, maintain a, a, a place of humility 
Um, I know everyone's afraid of being canceled or the backlash that comes with saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. And so I think one way to avoid that, um, I mean, obviously that's not the fear we should be living under, but one way to avoid that is to just be, be humble and ask lots of questions and, um, and, you know, have a service mindset and not a, Hey, I'm here to, to change this all. And I'm here to make sure that, you know, uh, the world is, is the way that I think it should be. Um, I think that often leads us to a lot of prideful assumptions. So, um, I'm just, I'm just open. I'm open to learn. I, you can learn a lot from an incarcerated person, a person living, uh, in homelessness, a person, you know, who, who, who's not in the same, uh, economic class status as you. Um, so always be willing to learn. You know, it's interesting as you look into the situation with incarcerated folks, you see that that's something, it's a place where people really just don't want to advocate for more rights for people who've been to jail. It's just not as easy of a sell, um, especially for Christians as it is for other groups of disadvantaged people. Now, the work you've done has been so inspiring and I'd love to see the church rally around it. I just don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I, uh, you know, when you think about it, um, many of the uh, biblical patriarchs would be uh, incarcerated. You know, Moses would be incarcerated for murder. David, uh, you know, uh, would be incarcerated for murder. Um, you know, uh, the the Mary, you know, be incarcerated for prostitution. And so, you know, these are individuals that uh, were seen as, as needed and beneficial. So, you know, can't do away with them. On a slightly lighter note, uh, you've been nominated for a couple of Grammys. Uh, is it still, I know that's happened to you. This isn't your first. Uh, this isn't your uh, first rodeo when it comes to the Grammys. Are is it still flattering to hear that you're being nominated? Oh man, it's always a blessing, man. It's always, you know, it's just a testament to just staying consistent and people appreciating the work. I'm always grateful for people appreciating the work. Wake up, wake up, wake up, slick. Get up out of bed. You was like a couple steps away from being out of here. Thank you for my granny press. Thank you for my partner now. I thought I was finished yet. Jesus told me start again. I will party sundown today's end. So the vaccine is rolling out. Um, we're starting to move forward, uh, making some real advances on the pandemic here in 2021. What are the lessons that you hope we've learned from 2020 and the first part of this year between the marches and the pandemic? Do you see the church moving into a new season? Do you think things are going to be um, restored in a meaningful way? I honestly think uh, in some circumstances, you got to tear down some stuff and deconstruct some stuff to reconstruct something better. So until we see some, some deconstruction of, uh, the, these American institutions uh, that exist within the church, um, I, I don't. I don't think things will change drastically. Um, you know, I'm of the the ilk that it's probably going to take somebody from outside of America, uh, uh, you know, to to show us what this really looks like. Yeah, in terms of reckonings, it's it's hard to imagine a bigger one than the one we just got. These idols we have, uh, these these things we have, these idols that we've built up. Why are they so resistant to being torn down? You know, that's just the 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 way that um, we've established them. They've been established this way, and so that's the way that they're going. Is is whoever built them and and keeps them flowing has got to be the person to tear them down. So that's really a lot of what it is. It's a form of humility. And I think that's what it's going to take is us humbling ourselves to learn. You know, they, it may not be like, oh, we got to infiltrate them and, and come help them as much as it is us saying we need insight. We need wisdom uh, from outside of ourselves. 
I also wanted to ask, uh, I just heard that you're working on the next Church Clothes mixtape. Anything you can tell us about that one? I'm just trying to go back to the origins. You know, in the origins, it was about um, connecting with folks kind of outside of the church to make sure that that they understood um, they were loved and appreciated. And then highlighting folks inside the church who weren't getting um, highlighted. And so that's what I want to do as well is just connect with those outside and highlight those inside and, um, and, and create great music, timeless music. Any idea when that's going to drop? Uh, looking forward to dropping it this summer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was reading a little bit about uh, Collab, the new partnership that you have with them. What can you tell me about that partnership and, and why did you decide to get involved with them? Yeah, well, you know, the, um, uh, Black-owned businesses, uh, you know, specifically um, face the, the, the unfortunate reality of not having a lot of investors, a lot of people who can give them a fighting chance. And so they don't end up thriving. And, um, and we need to see more people in the Black community who are Zuckerbergs and Jobs and Gates. Uh, we don't have a lot of those figures highlighted. And so for me, if I can contribute and invest in some uh, future business leaders and help them get their ideas off the ground, um, then, then I want to do that uh, because, you know, I need somebody to believe in me. And so I want to continue to believe in them. Um, obviously, you know, me personally, I'm, I don't exist to just cater to the black community, but uh, collab has a, a specific focus. And so of course I want to partner with uh, organizations that focus on minority um, led organizations and institutions because they, they've been some of the most marginalized and, uh, and that's where my uh, ambitions lie. Okay. So I can imagine some people hear about this. They like the idea. They want to get involved, uh, but not all of us have money to invest in an entrepreneur or a new business. What's the best way for us to get involved anyway? Oh yeah. Buy the products, man. Buy the products, you know, help their business thrive. You know, there's a great product out called Hairbrella, Tracy Pickett. Um, she's, she's brilliant. Uh, went to you know UGA Law School and uh, has a phenomenal product that's been highlighted by a lot of incredible uh, people. So you know, go out and support her business by buying her product and telling other people you know be a mouthpiece for their their businesses. We lost PJ, we lost C Dub, and lost Lil J to these streets, bruh. Got family members on lockdown, I still pray to God to release them. Put my hope in the Father. All these problems just pushing me harder. When I feel like I'm ready to fall out, hit my knees and start crying my heart out. Yeah, shoot us on the corner, Daddy got Corona trauma, singing us to sleep. Yeah, God ain't raising quitter. This is not the end, and we will never be defeated. That was Lecrae. Make sure to check out his new single. Uh, it's called Reasons, and check out his live stream concert for the U.S. Marine Corps today, February 26th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Stay tuned. It's Relevant Recommends. And then what's Jesse thinking? This week on Relevant Recommends, we're looking at the latest album from Julian Baker. It's called Little Oblivions. All right, so Julian's 2017 album, Turn Out the Lights, was her breakthrough, a showcase for one of uh, our generation's most gifted new songwriting talents to really stretch her wings. Baker's ear for melody and really incredible voice are raw material for the lyrics, which plumb the depths of her struggles with depression, her insecurity, and the lengths that she goes to cope with them. In moments of shocking honesty, she calls to mind the 
likes of, like Bright Eyes and Pedro the Lion, detailing the emotional chaos in her heart with so much raw vulnerability that it'd be pretty bleak if it wasn't so beautiful. Now, on her new album, Little Oblivions, uh, you have a lot of the same pathos, but it's less bracing. Baker produced the whole thing with the help of a full band, and she pushes herself to lots of musical experimentation. This is Julian uh, really at her most accessible, much more pop-friendly than her previous albums, creating grand epics that feel big enough for an arena tour, even as the lyrics themselves sound like something that you'd only uh, whisper to your most trusted friends. Things get very dark, but Julian summons power from this honest appraisal of her situation. She'd rather face her stormy interior life head-on than pretend otherwise, and that courage emboldens her for the next day. It might do the same for her fans, too. If you found out about Baker through her indie supergroup Boy Genius, you're in luck here. There's a mini reunion with Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus on Favor, and their harmonies do help ease the sting of Baker's uh, very somber thoughts here. There's Faith Healer, meanwhile, which captures Julian at her loneliest. She's meditating on addiction, both its inability to provide any real deliverance and how hard it is to escape anyway. None of this is exactly an easy listen, lyrically speaking, but Baker's many fans know the value in hearing someone else chronicle their own heartache. Uh, it both makes you feel a little less alone in your own and might even help you understand your own grief a little bit better. It's not exactly a cheer-up music, but sometimes it can help make us better people. Uh, it's a great album. We do recommend it. You can read more Relevant Recommends at relevantmagazine.com. You're listening to Tronada. The song is Caution. Okay, it's time for... What's Jesse thinking? Huh? Like, like, it sounds like we're going to, like, preschool. Like, nursery school. Like, I'm, <laughs> really, I'm trying to get the vibe really here. Is, is, is that what did, you're thinking? Did the jingle maker imply that, Jesse, you're in, that, <laughs> where I your think, brain goes? I think at about a... Four-year-old level. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. I mean, I don't see what other implication there could be. Clark. <laughs> Maybe you could explain it to us, Clark. <laughs> all right, so exploder with Clark here. Yeah. On where all this jingle came together. Well, all right. This week, what do you think of Jesse? Okay, I am thinking we've been doing breakfast all wrong. Okay, round the table real quick. What did everyone eat? What does everyone eat regularly for breakfast? Because because we've always heard. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but yeah. I could go into somebody's house where they're literally preparing a large breakfast or, you know, that, that involves a stove and eggs and meats and proteins and fruits, or they could be pounding, you know, 
hot oats. Like literally the spectrum of what's acceptable at breakfast time is oh, massive. Okay. Right. Where every other meal, if if it's if it's middle of lunchtime and I'm eating a T bone steak, people are like, Wow, really getting after it today. Where, <laughs> where if, I'm eating, if I'm eating a plate of red meat for breakfast, someone's like, Oh, can I get any leftover sausage? You know what I'm saying? Like th- there's this huge spectrum at breakfast that makes no sense to me. Okay. Right. Every morning I eat really what is what is socially acceptable. Acceptable form of breakfast, which is like a protein bar that's cookie dough flavored. I eat candy bars every day <laughs> for breakfast. I've often thought if I just stop eating those every morning, it's the first thing I do before when I wake up. I walk to the pantry and I grab one to eat. It's just a hunk of cookie dough with protein in it. And because it has protein, it's fine for breakfast socially. Okay. But I've often thought, what toll is this taking me? Real quick around the table, what do you guys regularly eat for breakfast? Three eggs. That's it. Three eggs. That's pretty make them? reasonably healthy. Yeah, like, a, yeah. like, like scrambled, scrambled boiled. Uh, I, I will on on Sunday nights. I will take a dozen or eighteen eggs and we'll hard boil them uh-huh. and then keep them in a bowl in the fridge for the week. So if in a morning I'm running late or busy, I'll just grab a couple hard boiled eggs and eat them. Or if I have a little bit of margin, I'll scramble them. Hmm. Like yeah. I'll scramble a fresh eggs. That's pretty you know good. Know I mean? Three so, eggs. So it's, I, I mix it up. That's how I mix it up. Is I usually I usually go all out on the weekends, like a bit like you know, ba- bacon, eggs, some like here's some mushrooms, here's some tomato, like make it a make it a big deal. Uh, but on the weekdays, I'm usually just like this morning. Like t- this morning was honestly, this is very millennial, but it was a piece of avocado toast. Oh, <laughs> I had avocado toast today too. Uh, I normally, if I eat breakfast, it'd be like scrambled eggs. But y'all, I'm not. I don't eat a lot of breakfast, so. But Jamie, I went to the doctor. I don't go to the doctor very often. Five years ago, I went to the doctor and uh, for a checkup. I hadn't been 15 years. And I was just like, I'm feeling tired. I, I was overweight, you know, whatever. And the first question he asked me was, do you eat breakfast? And I was like, no, I rarely eat breakfast. And he goes, and that's where we're starting. And he like showed me like what I'm doing to my body and metabolism and health by not eating breakfast. Like it's really bad. Sometimes I'm just not hungry in the morning and that's why I don't eat. I eat if I'm hungry. Don't you worry. I'm not going to miss a meal. Well, I'm going to blow the lid off this whole thing and make (laughs) breakfast cool again. And it's not going to involve fancy $12 toast with, you know, weird. I don't even know if an avocado is fruit or vegetable, to be honest. If my life depended on someone said, listen, your your house is on the line here on this bed, I would say vegetable, but I wouldn't feel great about it. You know, it could be one of those things like tomato. Oh, I'd say I don't even forget avocado toast forget weird candy bars that are we've deemed okay because they've been injected with whey protein evidently who would even check that uh, and and the, the hassle of making 18 eggs on sunday nights because we've been fed a lie by big cereal they have positioned themselves as the right decision for breakfast in the morning well guess what folks they've hmm. been they've been lying all the way to the bank, and I have found a food, and this is based on an opinion of a doctor who was on the news this week, uh, that there is one food that is perfectly acceptable for lunch and dinner. No one would think twice. And now, this doctor is making the case, if you eat cereal in the morning, maybe you should switch it out for this. The most versatile food of all time. It works for any age, any region, any <laughs> oh my expense. You can, you, can buy it. you can buy it for a dollar, and it's probably going to be pretty good. You could buy it for $20. It's going to be fantastic. Okay. What I am talking about 
is pizza. Okay? Oh pizza God. is the ultimate meal. No one dislikes it. Okay? So a, a doctor uh, was being interviewed uh, for like this nutrition segment on the Daily Mail. And and the and the doctor whose name is Chelsea Amar, uh, you know the interview has kind of been going viral because she looked at just from a nutritional value standpoint, like the top cereals versus a slice of pizza, which one is actually better from the perspective of a doctor or nutritionist, not cereal marketing campaigns. Okay, right. which one is actually would you be better off? And by a huge margin, it was it was pizza because uh, they they found that the average slice of pizza and in a bowl of cereal with whole milk, when it comes to calories, pretty much a wash. Like if you're worried about calorie counting, you might as well okay. eat a big old honking slice of New York Sbarro because you're doing the same thing, uh, uh, you know, from a from a caloric standpoint. However, cereals have way, way more sugar than than pizza does. And because of the complexity of most pizzas where they have like sauce, they have carbs on bread and a lot of them have some form of protein, even protein in the cheese. You're actually you're actually going to sustain your appetite way longer. So you'll consume less calories during the day if you eat pizza right when you wake up. So here's my thing, guys. <laughs> there, Domino's, Papa John's, all those people—they're leaving so much money on the table because I don't even know if you can get a pizza delivered at 7 a.m. Okay, if they would just say, "Look, man, doctors say this is the right decision. We're doing morning delivery. If you make it socially acceptable, people will begin to eat it." Okay, I've seen that with the candy bar situation. Like these protein companies basically just say we're putting protein in. They get, they sell you Snickers. Why don't the pizza companies do? this it's we have doctors telling us we should be eating it for breakfast basically why not start morning pizza deliveries guys they're leaving they're leaving a third of the revenue they're leaving a third of the revenue on the on the on the table here i'm doing that because i i gotta match about half is dinner and the other you know a quarter and a part are 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 lunch and late night and midnight yeah exactly why don't just round this thing out they're leaving money on the table just start a morning pizza company okay you can make a breakfast pizza put some bacon on it some some scrambled eggs and yeah you can get those at like the fancy, you know, once we get the vaccine, the fancy brunch spots, they crack an egg on the pizza and it's got Canadian yeah, bacon. Yeah, but why can't I order one? I can order every think I can about order it, like, pizza yeah. with freaking pineapple on it. But I, yeah. think it's pos- I think it's possible, Jesse, because Big Burrito figured it out about mm-hmm. 10 years ago. That's a good They point. decided they could make breakfast burritos. I mean, so like, I think, I think you're onto something. Uh, you, but Jesse, you said like big cereal is trying to keep this. Their lack of nutrition, part of it, unknown. But dude, they've been telling us right to our faces for years. We are terrible for you because at the end of the commercial, they always say our cereal is part of this balanced breakfast, and they show you a picture of eggs and fruit and yeah. orange juice and other things elaborate. because our cereal uh-huh. our cereal adds nothing to the equation but if you eat all yeah. the other stuff it's balanced mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah so. exa- exactly they've been deceiving us for years people okay right to our face don't get even started on big milk okay <laughs> we don't even need to go there and i've refused to this episode there's you know all i'm saying is you feel listeners Eat a slice of pizza for breakfast and don't feel Mm -hmm. bad about it. And if you manage a pizza shop and want to untap market, market breakfast pizzas and start delivering them, man. This is this is what America was built on. Innovation. okay? innovate and start (laughs) delivering. Because look, Cameron, if 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 in Winter Park, right, there was like Mm -hmm. a a cool upstart and it was all delivery and it was a breakfast pizza with like a really thin bread. So you get a little carb. You get uh, uh, 
you know, sauce, cheese, but you get the egg and bacon on top, right? Mm. So it's it's basically an omelet on top of a pizza with some yeah. tomato sauce. Mm. Are you not going to order that once a week? Because I no. legit might. I think you just invented quiche. I no. think oh. that's what quiche is. <laughs> quiche is too thick. Quiche, quiche too, too thick. You got to be able you to want pick thin this up. Slice. I got I got a bare hand. You can't bare hand a quiche without you looking can bare like an hand animal. Some quiches. You can bare hand it a little bit of a quiche. It, yeah, it, it'll it'll fall it depends apart. on your quiche crust. You, I mean, a good quiche. You get a, a, <laughs> a pie like wedge. Okay. You do okay. Here, here. Can you eat a quiche with one hand while driving? If the, no. the, you're going to cause an accident, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But you can easily, I can eat, I can eat an entire pizza while driving with no problem. I've done uh, it. At Costco, they have little baby quiches and they also have frittatas. That okay, are like, so you're telling you know, me, you're telling me. You just pop them. You just okay, pop you're, them. You're telling me right pizza now. Pizza bites. We need pe- breakfast bites. There you go. You know no, the pizza care- bites? Cameron's making the oh, case like, that mini quiches or frittatas are more marketable than breakfast pizza. <laughs> You've lost your mind. You've lost the vision here. You, I tell you what, you start your mini breakfast quiche company, and I'll start my breakfast pizza, and we'll see who's the last man standing. Yeah, right, oh, the frittata. Yeah. How about you delivery frittatas for breakfast? People be Googling what a frittata is. Much I, don't do a lot of, it. I don't do a lot of drive and pe- drive pizzas, though, either. Car pizza isn't really much of a thing. You, you don't can. steal it. Piece. If you do a pickup, a carry out, you don't steal no, a piece on the way home. No, I oh, like I to be. Yeah. I like to be home, Look, like uh, he, okay, in, the, he, in the comfy chair. He, here's here's the thing about breakfast pizza too. It, the title is the elevator pitch. Breakfast pizza. All I gotta know. <laughs> the Shark Tank. It. All I gotta know. It's like the guy who pitched Floors Lava to Netflix. He literally probably just walked in and was like, "Got a game show idea. All right, we're ready for the whole pitch. Here we got an hour." Don't eat it. Got three words. Floor is lava. Done. It's perfect. It's breakfast pizza. That's it. That is the equation. Don't overcomplicate it with your frittatas, please. Okay. Oh, gosh. That's true. Then you're onto something. We need to revolutionize the, the, the breakfast experience. Big breakfast. You're on notice. All right. That'll do it for. What's Jesse thinking? Huh? Well, before we wrap things up, I want to remind you to make sure to check out our new uh, Friday feature, Relevant Recommends. It's at relevantmagazine.com. It's not only the recommendation you heard, but also our other picks of new music, books, TV, and films that catch our eye each week. Don't miss it. And while you're there, make sure to check out some of our other new features. We have every morning our Deeper Walk devotionals. You can click on the Deeper Walk section to see them. You can also sign up there for our daily email, uh, get a Deeper Walk devotional sent to you every morning. And uh, we also have our new Deeper Walk podcast. So if you're not much of a reader, but you want to spend a few minutes uh, listening to your devotion uh, as you get ready in the morning, check that out as well. The new Deeper Walk podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Also on the front page of Relevant, you can stay connected with everything we're doing or the best stuff I guess we're doing with our new Relevant Today newsletter. It's our top five trending articles in your inbox every morning. Relevant Today, you can sign up right there on the front page of relevantmagazine.com. Uh, and depending on when you're listening to this, this is our last episode in February, meaning this weekend, Monday, Monday morning, March 1st, the March issue of Relevant will debut. You can check that out at relevantmagazine.com and it'll be right there. Don't miss it. We'll tell you all about it on the next show. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. Derek, we miss you, buddy. Have fun in Atlanta. All right, we'll see you all on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. 
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Come play with us. <laughs> Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.